Hi, I'm Naomi Castro, and this is the Castro Pod. This season, I talk with college and nonprofit leaders who are newbies, at least to their position. Transitions, moving into the unknown. These good people are transitioning during a pandemic. How's that going? Let's dig in. I made a plate for you. I had so much fun talking with Dr. Herbert English, Vice President of Student Services at Barstow College. I've been following him on social media, but this was the first time I got to speak with him. Well, I am here. It is today. What is today? Today is Tuesday, uh, Tuesday October 6, 2020. And I am here with Dr. Herbert English, uh, who I am so, so excited to be speaking with today. So thank you, Dr. English. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. And and you are... Uh, y- you're a vice president of student services at beautiful mm-hmm. and amazing uh, Barstow <laughs> Community College, yes, uh, Barstow yes. College, um, yeah. and uh, and you started in the summer. You started in the summer of 2020 there, yes. which is just yes. like you know for folks who are listening to this sometime in the future, it is mm-hmm. in the middle of shelter in place. Our colleges are shut down for in person. Uh, operations and it is the weirdest time I can remember in my 50 years on this planet so so I mean what what has that been okay you, you started a job in the middle of a pandemic how's that been yes it's to be honest with you it's it's, it's been crazy um, and what I mean by that is it's just not the norm um, I never uh, wanted to be um, an online administrator uh, I don't get to connect with people like I like. I don't need, you know, I like to see people's body language. I like to be able to come up to people and let them know they're doing a good job. Now you could do all that through Zoom, but it just doesn't feel the same. I don't think it's as genuine as it really could be. It feels scripted, uh, a lot of things. Um, But I will say president here is awesome. The other VPs are awesome. Um, And I know that's kind of cliche when you come into a new job, but literally it feels like it feels like home it feels like a family time management is a lot different now um how much is too much communication now because it seems like i'm sit, i'm shooting out emails all day and i just don't feel connections with people i like to connect with people i like to before we hop into a meeting i want to know how your son is doing in football or your daughter's doing in in softball. But like I said, I'm a people person, so whatever I can get. Um, you know, social interaction and education, I think, is paramount to us being successful. We can't, as you know, work in these silos and just, you know, go in a cubicle and work for eight hours and go home. That's not of the environment that we work in. And then, number one thing, I like to see students walking around. Oh, I like yeah. to see students with their backpacks. I like to see students out, out by a tree reading. I like to go into the gym and see students having their games and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, going into the library and seeing people check out books or working on computers. I literally like that kind of stuff. So for that to be another piece, because that was kind of like my break time. When I wanted to get a break from emails or the monotony of a meeting, I would just walk around campus for 30 minutes, come on back. And I'm regenerate, I'm I'm rejuvenated, you know, to get back in there uh, because the stuff we do, as you know, 
it's stressful. You know, you get some anxiety from time to time. Uh, you feel that you need to do more from time to time. So being virtual is a little difficult for a person like me because I'm a social butterfly. I like to get out there. So, you know, I did a little bit of research, not too, not too deep, but, uh, <laughs> um, but your undergraduate is in sociology. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if that's, you know, some of the, your, what brought you to sociology is this, is some of this, you know, people connection kind mm-hmm. of, kind mm-hmm. of work. And then, uh, uh, and, and so this kind of brings me to like a, a question of, you know, how, how you, how you're working with this transition, both, both the transition from in-person to remote everything, the transition to, um, your new position at Barstow, um, is, you know, do you have like an operating kind of principle? Like, how do you, how, how are you, man, like, this is a lot of changes, physical change in our space. It's, it's, you know, mindset change and, and a new position. So how, how do you navigate all that? One of the things I learned when I first started in community college, I was the director of EOPS. And I had a manager, or I had a dean rather, that really kind of framed my, uh, my view of the campus and my view of my people that I was leading. And it was a wrong, you know, she gave me a wrong, I think she could have done better helping me develop as a new administrator and one of the things she did from her perspective was tell me everything wrong with the campus so that subliminally (laughs) entered my brain so i i was i was I, i was horrible for the first six months of that job not horrible to people but just i wasn't effective i wasn't building relationships i wasn't um getting to know people i was speaking through her to my staff and it and it it wasn't me. After about six months and really wanting to return to the Boys and Girls Club where I was working before as an executive director, I said, I got to change some stuff up. And I started spending more time with my staff, meaning getting to know them, um, asking their opinion of ways that we could be better as a program. You know, what are some things they didn't like about the program, the institution, and how can I help and be better? Uh, Some wanted to go back to school. Some wanted more responsibility. And I I made sure I I thread all that into my leadership and how we move forward in the program. So that really helped me to just get to know people for myself. You know, People are scared of change. So me getting my new position, I know people were like, okay, how is this guy going to come in? What are going to be some of his priorities? Is he going to allow me to lead my area? Is he going to, you know, all these different things. And even though there is going to be some change, there is a way that I want to lead student services. But the foundation of everything I do is for students. We're, We're virtual right now. I am going to do the best that I can in this environment. There's going to be some things that I need to learn. I will definitely uh, uh, try to connect with folks in the, you know, in our, in our field to make sure that I'm abreast of things that are going on and, you know, maybe some great things that are happening, but I don't overly stress about work anymore. I used to, I used to, I used to work till seven, come in at six 30. I didn't get more work done. I just felt busy, but I didn't technically get more work done, nor nor do I feel I was more effective. Now, 
I come in 745, 8, 8 o'clock. I leave 535, 45, and I feel good. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that person that I used to be so hung up on everything. I, I give 110 in what I do, and I just don't allow myself anymore to let things that I can't control affect how I lead and affect how I build relationships with folks. You know, as I've went through my little journey through the community college and in higher ed, I've learned that you got to be a chameleon. And I think that's one of the major things that most leaders can't do. And we, and we see it, not, you know, not only education, but as leaders in different industries or different realms of life, when you can adapt to your environment, you get crushed. Yeah. You know, you see it with, you know, presidents, you know, one of the things, because my ultimate goal is to be a college president. But when I look at people starting July 1 and don't have jobs in December, yeah. it's like, how can you mess up in five months? In five months, you're just shaking hands and saying, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how are you getting into a position? Because you got to learn so much, right? Yeah. How are you getting in a position and you have made people upset or made people leery of your leadership in five months? So it's scary. It's still an ultimate goal of mine. But the way I handle it now is just I'm not in control of COVID. I'm not in control of our environment. I can't make people wear masks. I can't make people wash their hands. But what I am going to do is I still I still know that students need us to get to their ultimate goal. So I just gotta be the best I can in the environment that we live in. And like I said, I tell people all the time, I know this is not what we would like to be doing right now, but it's the best that we can do. And we gotta make sure we're serving students because I'm a product of the community college. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I could, you know, I could go on and on and on about my experience. Um, it, it got me to my four year institution. It, it, it really, I don't remember one person in EOPS, but everything that was on that pamphlet, they did. Every yeah. single thing they did. And I had some friends that helped me with financial aid and the bog waiver, but I am a product. I know firsthand. I was, I was Larry taking the assessment. I guessed on every question because I had to get to work, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I know, you know, um, how valuable a book voucher is. Some people may say, oh, that's a handout. I would have taken it no matter what you've labeled it. Um, you know, books were expensive. I couldn't afford them. So um, I'm a product of this and, and, and I swear by my experience um, and I swear by those counselors and faculty that just took an interest in me um, and, how, and how important that was because in high school, I did not have that. Well, I'm really, I'm really touched with what you said about... Uh, anxiety and stress and mm-hmm. like you know and and you're I think that your staff will benefit from you not stressing out and not working <laughs> really really long days and I think you and your family will um yes. for sure yes. but I, I I and this is something this is a, a continuous journey for me and I think a lot of folks is managing stress um and, and did you ever <laughs> Did you ever way back before you learned uh, all these, you know, how to how to go with the flow, uh, have like nights where you just basically were so anxious about something that was scheduled for the next day that you just wound yourself up, couldn't sleep, that kind of thing? 
uh, that's happened a lot. Uh, different environments and different management yeah. um, can contribute to that. Um, how, how do you put, get, how do you get, how do you push through that so that, that that's not yeah. normal, but when it happens, it's very rare. Like, Oh, I haven't been this stressed out in years. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the thing that, and the thing about me is, is I have the anxiety, right? But so, if it's, so if it's a presentation on the effectiveness of first year experience or the, or of the effectiveness or the benefits of guided pathways. I'm putting together this presentation and I'm stressing out. Okay, do we have this? Do we got the data? Do we got, I'm stressing. But literally when I walk in that room to give it, all of it goes away. Mm. Literally game time. I'm ready. Game time. Literally. I tell myself by going, go in the room. I want to pinpoint when everything goes away. And I still, after I get done with the presentation, I'm like, Oh shoot. I didn't, see when or when that that went away so yes um it's always it's always when it's time for me to present in front of a lot of people or a report is due like for pro uh, not for program review for accreditation or something like that that i'm being counted on yes i would because early on you take everything as it's a make or break for your job mm-hmm. you know uh but, and, and and trust me all of that is about who is, who's the leaders of the institution at that time. But when you go into rooms and you know you got to get people's attention about the importance of programs and services that help people like you, that's my anxiety. Because if I don't succeed, somebody's not going to get served. Never, whatever I'm hired for, I'm not nervous for that, except that I don't know Right. A new person, new campus. I don't know everything about the campus, but you you asked me about equity or 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 triple SP or or AB 705. Oh, I got that. Like I can I I stay well versed on the chancellor's office. You know, anything that comes with the chancellor's office, I try to read it all, get, a you know, get around it. So when I go into meetings, I have knowledge that maybe others didn't take the time because I want to make sure that I, I'm giving input to things. Um, so the anxiety, the anxiety or the stress is really coming for wanting to do well. Um, I don't know anybody that is doing this work that that failing is even an option, because if I fail, I already got my degrees. If, but if I fail, those people that were like me at RCC in the EOPS program, they won't get served. So it's, it's, it's bigger than just me. It's, it's those that are coming behind me that are going to use our system as a means to an end. Certificate in auto, uh, certificate in cosmetology, uh, that AA degree, now the four-year is real because I did it. That's what I'm about. Like We can go round and round about all kind of stuff and philosophize about what's not right and who, what leaves people out. But I'm always trying to bring it back to, but what about the students we serve? Yeah. What, what in this or your, or your disagreement or your, or your lack of support, what can I do to help you understand the importance of this initiative or this program or this framework that we want to make sure students come in and leave in a timely fashion but at the same time, they have engaging activities and opportunities 
where they can participate in programs and services that are going to help them be successful. But, but don't get me wrong. Like I said, early in my career, I would stress about those presentations and those reports that have to be done for the importance of what I was leading at that time. First year experience, EOPS, CalWORKs, programs for foster youth, um, programs for veterans. Those things just mean a lot to me. Um, and I, I would always in my mind think if I don't get them to buy in or to support, students may not have what they need to be successful. So those are, it would come from that. It would never come from, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know what not... I mean? You know, it would never come from that. But don't get me wrong. We all have imposter syndrome from time to time. But uh, I just know the work that I do and the decisions I make will directly affect students. I know it's a little cliche because it's all about students, but literally, uh, and I tell students this all the time, especially students who want to complain, I let them know. I went to a community college. I had a daughter while I was going to college. I understand. You know, sometimes they think by the titles and our positions and my nice wine colored wall that (laughs) I didn't go through nothing. And that's just, and I love talking about those things because then it helps them, right? Not assume, not assume that everybody had a silver spoon in their mouth when they went through school. I live, it's it's a lot of different industries that are important, but I just feel that we are so important in the community college. I I really, really just love what I'm doing. Like I, most people don't find where they should be in life. I, I, I'm telling you, I don't know of any other industry I should be in except higher education. I I have found my passion. I don't want to do anything else. Like if I won the lottery, I'm going to be happy, but then I'm going to be like, darn, I ain't working no more. (laughs) (laughs) You can do something. You can start a scholarship. uh... (laughs) I would have to do something like that because I'm darn sure not working no more. <laughs> I'm darn sure not working no more. You could do a scholarship, and then you could just like you know on the regular, just have like one on ones with students. That'd yeah. be cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could have a scholarship, but I got to interview all the finalists or something like that. That sounds good. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do want to go on to another question. For I am sure. uh, so for so for this season, like I told you, I'm, I'm focusing on these transitions. So yeah. I'm I'm also going to be interviewing a handful of folks who are retired or who have just announced that they're going to retire. So so some of our colleagues who've been through some you know the system for a while and seen some changes. Um, wh- what should I ask them? Mm. What would you like to hear from a couple of folks who mm. have some experience? From retirees, and I would say, because it's my question, I would love to hear from retirees of color mm-hmm. how they did it. How did you do it? Uh, meaning, how did you come to work every day? In most cases, and in most cases, when you knew your input was not valued, like what in you made you, I I think me and you can both agree, those folks that worked in the 60s, 70s, and 80s are just saints. 
because they knew going to work every day that in some cases their <clears throat> their input was not valued. But they kept coming. They kept coming. They kept uh, doing more. They kept um, answering the people that maybe weren't as smart or as intelligent or as cutting edge as they were. So why, how, like, like, how did you do that? Like what in you, like what part of you did that take to do that? Because I've, I've been, I've met some, like, I'll just give a, for instance, Dr. Jerome Hunter is amazing to me. Mm -hmm. The man started as a classified employee and became a chancellor. Yeah. And I used to talk to him when he would give lectures at Cal State uh, Fullerton. And he would talk about this truth to power. And that's just, that's difficult if you're trying to move up. And that's hard to maneuver sometimes. Like, how do you know how to challenge power, but don't be disrespectful? How do you challenge power, but be professional? How do you challenge power where they don't feel you're challenging them? And he would always talk about that truth to power. Um, so how did you do it? Like, how did you do it? How did you do it? How did you, you know, how did you manage from, 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 from women of color, from men of color? How did you do it? What made you want to keep coming in every day? I need to know that. Like, I, I can think of what I, what, how, but I want to really hear it from them. So the how. The other part of it that I would love to hear is what do you think your significant co contribution is to education? Like what are some of the things that you did that you felt were significant, were, were major contributions? Because I would love to hear what they feel are major contributions. I can, you know, I don't want to assume. Um, one of the things that I've really, about me, that I'm, most people would be sad about not having any grandparents. I don't have any grandparents anymore, but I value, well, the reason I don't, I'm not as sad as most, I was able to get tidbits of my family history and what they went through in Missouri and Texas and California through civil rights, through, you know, through those things that I could read a million books about civil rights. I, but I don't know how that feels, right? Mm -hmm. My grandmother telling me about the Watts riots, my grandfather telling me about Missouri and how blacks couldn't cross the railroad tracks after dark. Like, so what did you do? So why was that? Uh, to those of the, so when, so when I talk to, to, to retirees, obviously I'm selfish when I see them now because I, I ask them stuff about now. What would you do with guided pathways? What would you do with AB seven hundred five? What would you do uh, with equity funding? Right? I'm, 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 I want to, but if, if 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 I had you do it, I want to know how they did it and what major contributions do do they feel they made. But now I would ask them, what do you think that administrators now need to know? Looking back on your career, and, and, and as you know, they're still connected in some way, right? They still have friends or fellow colleagues that are working or people that they mentored. So they know about all these basic skills, all this stuff. They, and they do uh, workshops and they consult to some degree. 
But if you had a group of vice presidents right now that aspire to be presidents, what do they need to know? I could listen to Dr. Jerome Hunter for hours because he brings his upbringing to his early start as a classified professional all the way through to where he became a chancellor and then a mayor, chancellor emeritus. Me and you both know that just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? That just, it, it's hard enough for a classified professional to become a director. <laughs> this yeah. man became a chancellor. Yeah. He was so good. They made him a, a chancellor emeritus in a district that was primarily Caucasian. <laughs> that just doesn't happen every day. And I don't want to make it just all about race, but I would really, I would really love to sit and hear them talk about what's going on today in our system. And what would you tell aspiring presidents? Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Sure. So are, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's go. Okay. Don't think too much about it. Okay. Unless you, unless you want to dig in and then we can. Okay. Uh, favorite hot sauce? Oh, Louisiana. Oh. <laughs> Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce. Come on now. Oh, okay. Well, wait, you talked about Missouri. Do you have any family in Louisiana? No, but are you going to laugh? I didn't take any classes, but I enrolled at Southern University. <laughs> really? I, I was accepted and enrolled, and I was back home in a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, I, I know. what 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 sent you home? I wasn't serious. I wasn't yeah. Serious. Okay. All right. Well, I uh, I was born in Louisiana. Half oh, my wow. family lives there still. Okay. And uh, uh, one of my brothers went to uh, University of Southern Louisiana. Oh and, wow! Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, so I, I love. I love, 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 one of my favorite places. I love going to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. I love visiting New Orleans. I love it. Everything about it, the food, the people. That, to me, and you're from Louisiana, and maybe I'm right right or wrong, but it just seems like they do the best at at everybody getting along. And I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I just, I, I, I have hung out with all people and I've been in different bars and jazz restaurants and everybody just in there together. And I'm just like, this is a perfect example of America. Yeah. I think, I I, I think, uh, (laughs) I mean, that's a whole other podcast episode. I think, I think yes and no. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think both things. Yeah. And maybe just New Orleans because I haven't been to Shreveport and other areas like that. I've been to Baton Rouge and New Orleans. So um, I've just seen those two areas. Kind and welcoming. Yes, yes. Southern hospitality. Also an underbelly there that's nice. Yeah, I mean, there's all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the best food, uh, at the risk of insulting half our country, the best food in the United States is in Louisiana. Bar none. Bar none. You can't get nothing better. Uh, oh, the, the charbroiled oysters is my favorite. Oh well, I would I would crawl over glass for for a good beignet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I and, like those too. And real like coffee, them. coffee and yes. chicory, cafe au lait. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good place. 
Okay, well, the next rapid fire question, so that what we didn't, we broke yeah. all the rules. Yeah, there, my bad. Which is my good. Bad. I'm glad. No, I'm glad. Um, is there a band or a musician that you never get tired of? You could listen to them every day. Oh, Tribe Called Quest. <gasps> Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. Tribe Q-Tip Fife? Yeah. No, I, could, I could put that, if I could get every album, I think I have every album, but not even albums anymore. If I could just put all that on one, on one, on one flash drive, I'm good. <laughs> Random and I'm good. Fantastic. What yeah, about, fine. okay. So this one is a little weird. Um, what do you think is the most underrated dessert? So a dessert that's fantastic and people just do not, you know, rave about mm. it. See, the first thing I would say is cheesecake, but Everybody likes, well, a lot of people like cheesecake. And you're going to laugh, a nice box of hot tamales. Sweet ones? Yeah. No, I think that's nice, great. Yeah. A nice box. Of, no, I'm not talking about the, 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 a real tamale. I'm talking about the, the red candy. Oh, like at the movie theater. <laughs> red, oh, I'm a simple dude. Red, I can get those at the dollar store. I'm good at a movie. Okay. <laughs> Instead of paying $7 at the movie, get them from 99 cent store. Come on in. Hot tamales. All right. All right. And uh, then uh, for, for these ones, and then I'll have one more question to, okay. to bring us home after this. But what, what would you think is, and if you need to take a minute, that's totally okay. The best $100, $100 or less that you ever spent. So you're going to laugh. Air Jordans. Really? I bought a pair um, of the number of the first Air Jordans. Those cost $99. You couldn't tell me nothing. You could, and I know people probably got some wonderful things, but. Uh, <laughs> what did you get? What did you get out of them? What was the satisfaction? Well, um, my mom was never going to buy me a pair of shoes that cost a hundred dollars. But one of the things my mom and dad always stressed to me is if you want something, you got to work for it. So I literally worked a, uh, a part-time job um, as a bus boy. And I just saved my money. I was only getting 20 hours a week. And you can only imagine 375, 425 an hour. And I just saved. And and and, and what that taught me, obviously, is the value of a dollar. Uh, and I probably shouldn't have bought uh, that because it probably took me a month to earn the money. But it's what I really wanted. And I felt good about myself because, obviously, when you get paid, you just got to put that money under your under your mattress and wait. And it wasn't like it was now that things would sell out in one day. You could go down to the local Foot Locker. You didn't have to rush. And uh, I walked to the mall, Montclair Plaza, and bought me a pair of Nike Air Jordans with my ni- with my $100. And you wear them home? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you don't want nobody, you want nobody mess with you. So you oh, put them back yeah, in yeah. the box. And then uh, my mom came and picked me up. But I walked up there. Yeah. 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 That was my best hundred. That's great. Yeah. 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 So this is my, this is my big catch all question as we come to a close. And this has been an absolute joy. I really, really appreciate your time today. 
But um, is there is there any question that I should have asked you, but I didn't? Is there anything that you just really were you really want to talk about that we we didn't get to? You didn't ask it, but I answered it in a roundabout way. And I wanted to ask retirees this question. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? That's a loaded question with a lot of different parts, but that's the one question. And and we only had a few, you know, we only had a little bit, but that's the question that I think um, should have been asked. But like I said, in other smaller questions, I was able to get to it. Uh, But directly, why do you do what you do? Um, A lot of things I could have done with my education and my degrees. And obviously, well, and you don't know this, but I don't have the same uh, career path that most took to get to higher ed. Uh, So that's the one. Um, that I, that, that you could have asked, but like I said, your other questions helped me get there, uh, so people can know about me. So I think your other questions were piecemealing all that together. So you didn't have to ask, why do you do it? <laughs> so, so I'm going to, I'll make a guess here. Uh, and then you, you can, you can add in or correct me, right? Okay. So you, you're a product of the community college system. Yep. You, you're dedicated to students and especially students who you see yourself in. Like yes. that, that was, that was me. Yes. I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. took the time. They, they, they showed me the resources. They, they went out of their way for me and that's what I'm going to do for them. Yes. Yes. You own the money. <laughs> you are, you, you are. And, 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 and I know we got to go, but to your point, I've taken some time before I have my big meeting with my management. I'm going to have my counselor from Cal State San Bernardino in the EOP program address my staff because literally her dedication to me. I wish I could, I wish I could thank her and let her know that she made me feel like I was important. She made me feel like I was special. And she never gave up on me, but then she would close the door and say, boy, what the hell is wrong with you? Your parents, your grandparents didn't work and do for you for you to come up here and get grades like this. People don't do that no more. People think it's, you know, don't get me wrong. I know PC, but I, anybody comes in here, I shut that door. If it's a female, be honest, keep my blinds open. But I tell students straight up, what are you here for? If you're going to do, if you're going to do this, what, what do you think that's going to get you? If you're going to bring me all F's, you're not going to be here long. What can I do to help? This woman, her name is Carolyn Stevens. She was my EOP counselor. She left Cal State and then went to Alabama to help out her family. She works at Alabama State right now. Most beautiful woman to me when I was 18, 19, 20. I I, I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. But that woman really, 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 and I'm going to have her come and speak to my directors, um, or all of student service management, 
I'm going to have her come and speak about what it means to do what we do. I, I honestly thought for three, I, I was at Cal State San Bernardino three years. I thought I was her favorite student. When I, she had all these pictures, you know how people take pictures at the mall mm-hmm. and they may take a cheerleading picture. There. She had a, 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 I would say three feet by four feet of just pictures. I went in her office six times a year. I never saw them pictures. And then one day I was just sitting there. We were just, I was about to graduate. <laughs> and I looked over and I said, who, I like, who are the people? <laughs> she, said, she said, those are my, she said, those are my students. I'm like, I thought I was your favorite. She said, all of y'all are my favorite. Oh. I said, no, I want to be the favorite. But she was, she was very loved. Um, and I'm telling you, I wish I could put it into words better. I wish I had the vocabulary to really explain what she did for me. That woman, I'm telling you, without her, I, I don't know where I would be. She just took an interest in me that nobody ever did. And that's a damn shame when I, I had to be in my 20s to feel important. High school, didn't feel it. I got, I got with her, <laughs> and uh, I could be anything. Think about that. Like my grandparents, my mom and dad, they love me, but they supposed to love me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like my mama loved me. I love my mama, but this woman, man, when I tell you, she just made me feel like I was just, I mean, nobody could make, well, every time I see her, I would just get happy. And then sometimes when my progress report was in the office before I got there, I would feel like I disappointed her, but three years at Cal State, I graduated and I owe it, literally owe it all to her. I mean, I, I did the classes, I studied, but it, it's something about people taking time to just tell you that you can do it and not, not, not frivolous. You know how sometimes you go to a, 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 a beginning of the year, oh, you can do it. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, there's no meaning, no, no feeling to it. But she would look me in my eye and tell me I was spe- special and that I could do it. And it's a longer story, but I never went to college to graduate. So I was backwards already. I never went. Little, little bitty short story. My mom and dad always told me to get a city or county job. Get you a city or county job and take care of your family. So I go to the county HR, 60 quarter units, 90 semester units, 60 quarter units, 90 semester. That was on every minimum qualification job. I got to get the 60 semester or the 90 quarter. Once I get that, I'm going to have a good job. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was a little backwards, but at least I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that woman, that's, she's the biggest reason why I, why I go. And obviously, it's already in me to want to care about people, but her just taking the time with me just, and I'm going to have all that to say. I'm going to have her speak to my people because I think people need to hear. We need to respect our elders, as, as I, 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 can, I think you agree with me. Okay. But I think we need to understand that. Some people do this because they love students. They don't give a damn about money. 
They don't give a damn about titles. They don't give a damn about prestige. They just care about those students that walk through the door, that they go help them and that they believe in them. And she just, I'm telling you, she, she, uh, I owe a lot to her. And every time I give a speech, I've been asked to speak at Cal State San Bernardino a couple of times for different things. And I, uh, I, I make a point to acknowledge her, whatever I'm doing. I don't want anybody to get it twisted. That woman is a big reason of my success. Um, and I got a long way to go, but she, she, she really, she just really believed in me like nobody else. Um, and I wish I had teacher. I wish I could have said I had teachers that took an interest in me. And I, I take some blame for that. Maybe I was cutting up in class or I was not showing, you know, maybe I wasn't showing that I cared. I don't know. But she just, she would see me on campus always speak. You know how you on campus, sometimes you're just trying to get to where you got to get. She would, oh, and I'm like, why, why does she take the time? Like, why does she do this? Because she just cared about students. And I mean, all students, not, it wasn't blah, 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 blah. She just cared about students in the EOP program. She, she lived it. And it's funny, I mean, me and her, she, she, she calls me her colleague now. That's when I was 20, 21, 22, I never thought I would be considered a colleague. So for her to say, this is my, this is a, one of my students and he's now a vice president. She speaks that out and it just, I don't, and I'm a person I don't care about. I tell people all the time, I love my pay, but I don't need the title. Just put staff on my back and let me go. You know, like the you know, when you go to concert, to yeah, curity, yeah, curity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, just give me a shirt that says staff, and I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a that's an amazing uh, an amazing relationship you had, and yeah. it sounds like that she just she's she just did. one of those special people. But you know what? But we can all be that way. Oh right? yes, yes. Like, and that's yes. why you're having her speak to your staff because you can do you can be her. Yo, we yeah. can all be her. Yeah, we can. We we can, and I, and 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 we all have the ability. It's not like you don't have the ability to care. Um, uh, but 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 I w- I was just thinking maybe a week or two ago. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something for all my management, and I'm gonna just start with her. Have her talk about her 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 story, and then talk about why she cares about students so much and why we have to be better for our students. I know some some students are, are are rude. I know some students are not prepared when they get here, but they all deserve us to give them what we can. We got to. We got to. If we do, people argue about all these differences in in America and conflict. If we start taking better care of our folks in school and in college, I'm telling you, they'll be better people. They'll be better humans. Um, and, and that's just like I said, I. If I fail a student, um, I could hear her saying, do more, do more, do more. And she, and she always, she walked the walk and talked to talk, and she never worked eight hours a day. She was always in at eight o'clock, and she was at a basketball game, at a um, BSU meeting. Uh, she was at something at night, and I don't know how she did all of that, uh, but she did. And never, and I've never seen her complain. She just gave me 110%. So I, I, I cannot in turn do that to others. I have to get, I have to do it. Um, and it's not even hard to be honest with you. It's not hard to give 110% for me. It's, it's, 
I, I tell people all the time, without her, I wouldn't be here. Say her I name for us one more time. Her name is Carolyn Stevens from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. English, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. Paying it forward every day. It's, Thank just, you. it's an absolute inspiration. Dr. I'm Castro, a- I know I was frivolous. All I wanted was my cartoon, but <laughs> this was... This was awesome. This was awesome. I was jealous of a couple of my colleagues that they had a cartoon. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to get with Dr. Castro and see if I can get that. But this was yeah. awesome. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Thank you so much. I, I so <laughs> appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank, uh, thank you. you so much. And I, and I hope we can talk soon or, or I'll connect with you on social media. But yeah, I'm definitely going to send you some retirees by email. Yes, please do. And please send me a headshot so we can make that cartoon. Oh, for sure. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. Happy Tuesday. Everyone in higher ed talks about putting students first, but man, Dr. English puts his money where his mouth is. And that's because he remembers so clearly what it was like to be a student and how important the connection with his counselor was. Links to all the cool things he mentioned are in the show notes. This season, I spoke with folks new to their positions, but I'm making a list of nonprofit and higher ed leaders who have retired or are about to retire. If you know someone I should add to this list, at me at Twitter, at Naomi Castro, P-R-O-F. Some listeners asked for a more formal way to cite the season one interviews, so I turned it into a book. The link is on the CastroPod webpage, and you can find the book on Amazon.